Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you? I pray that you are well. I am well. I'm, it's good to be well. I'm crooked. I don't know how I got so crooked today, but I'm crooked. So it's okay. Here we go. Can't straighten myself out. Um, we are in the first week of Advent, and this is the Feast of St. Nicholas, uh, December 6th. So blessed, blessed feast day of that very, very good bishop that served the poor and brought gifts to the families of the poor. Um, Two days from now, however, will be the holy day of obligation, December 8th, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, which, of course, is has nothing to do with the virgin birth. It's, that's not true. It has nothing to do with the virgin birth. But it is the birth, concerns the birth of Mary, that she was immaculately conceived in her mother Anne's womb. A singular grace that God gave the woman who would bear his son. So it has everything to do with the virgin birth because Mary had to be without sin. So she was cleansed from the stain of original sin the very moment of her conception, the immaculate clean conception in her mother's womb that she would be born without the stain of original sin and she would remain without sin her whole life, that she could be a clean and holy and worthy vessel to bear the Son of God. Our Blessed Mother appeared to a religious sister um, by the name of Sister Pierina. And um, because she wanted, my mother gave her the title, Blessed Mother gave Sister Priorina the title of Mystical Rose and wanted an hour of grace to be held for her on every December 8th at the hour of noon. I'll read this to you. During the period of November 4th, 1946 to December 8th, 1947, the Blessed Mother appeared to Sister Piorina in a little church in Montechiare, Italy, 11 times. On the first appearance, the Blessed Mother told Sister Piorina she wanted to be known as the Mystical Rose and that an hour of grace should be kept at noon, December 8th, in all the Catholic churches of the world. The Blessed Mother wanted this to be known throughout all of Italy and the entire world. That's two days from now, beloved, an hour of grace to be kept at noon. It was November 16, 1947, when Sister Pierina was finishing her Thanksgiving after Holy Communion, when she saw a great light. She then saw a vision of the Blessed Mother as the mystical rose. Sister was so deeply moved by the stunning beauty of Our Lady that she began talking to her. All of a sudden, a gentle voice made her kneel down in front of Our Lady. A gentle force made her kneel down in front of Our Lady. The Blessed Mother spoke these words. My son is so greatly offended by the sins of the people, especially by the sins of impurity. 
He is already planning to send the deluge upon the people, deluge, the flood, upon the people for their destruction. But I have asked him to show mercy and not send the destruction. So that is why I have appeared, to ask for penance and atonement for the sins of impurity. Then the Blessed Mother asked for an act of humility by Sister Purina. She asked her to make the sign of the cross with her tongue on each of the four stones in the sanctuary. This shall be a reminder to the people that I have appeared here and do not have, um, I don't know the rest of the sentence here, it says the Blessed Mother then stepped on each of the stones so that her gown touched all four stones. On the 22nd of November, Sister Piorina felt the overwhelming urge to go to church at 4 p.m. The Mother Superior, four sisters, and a group of friends accompanied her. They were all saying the rosary when the Blessed Mother appeared as before. She instructed Sister Piorina to make the sign of the cross on the stones and fence them off so that no one would step on them. Again, Our Lady asked for penance. She said, Penance is nothing more than accepting all our crosses daily, willingly, no matter how small, accept them with love. I'll repeat that, dear ones. It's so important and beautiful for us to understand this. Our Lady said that penance is nothing more than accepting all our crosses daily, willingly, no matter how small, accept them with love. At this time, Our Lady told Sister Piorina to come again December 8th at noon. At this, t- this will be, she said, my hour of grace. The sister asked how she was to prepare for this hour of grace, to which the Blessed Mother said with prayers and penance, pray the 51st Psalm with outstretched arms three times, During the hour of grace, many spiritual graces would be granted. The most hard-hearted sinners will be touched by the grace of God. The Blessed Mother promised that whatever a person asked her for during this hour of grace, even in impossible cases, would be granted to them if it was in accordance with the will of the Eternal Father. That's two days from now, beloved to spend one hour from noon to 1 p.m. reciting Psalm 51 with outstretched arms and in the old rendering it's Psalm 50 with outstretched arms three times. Spend one hour. The Blessed Mother said, Tomorrow I will show you my Immaculate Heart which is so little known among the people. She asked people to pray for Russia. There are so many people, she said, being held prisoners, which their families know nothing of because they have been gone for so many years. Pray for the conversion of Russia, the suffering of the soldiers, and their sacrifices and martyrdom will bring peace to Italy. The little children are Francisco and Jacinta. I'm giving them to you as your companions. You will have much to suffer for my sake. I want simplicity and goodness from you, as of these little children. The Blessed Mother then blessed Sister Piorina, the priest, and all those who were gathered there. On the morning of December 8th, 
people began arriving at the little church at 8 a.m. in the morning from neighboring towns. By noon, some 10,000 people had gathered to see the Blessed Mother, many of whom had to stand outside because the church did not have enough room for the large crowd. Sister Pierina was accompanied to church by her mother and brothers, the mother superior and the chief of police for Monte Chiari. Sister was reciting the rosary with the crowd in the middle of church. Suddenly, a brilliant white light appeared from the ceiling. Stairs were coming from the light down to the floor of the church, about 15 feet in length. The staircase was beautifully decorated with red, white, and yellow roses. The Blessed Virgin appeared so radiant, dressed in white, with her hands folded. She was standing on a splendid carpet at the top of the stairs, made of the red, white, and yellow roses. In the most gentle and loving voice, Our Lady smiled and began to speak. I am the Immaculate Conception the mother of all graces, and the mother of my beloved son, Jesus. I want to be known as the mystical rose. My wish is that every year, on the 8th of December at noon, an hour of grace will be installed. Many spiritual graces and physical blessings will be received by those who pray undisturbed during this hour. And then slowly... She began to descend the staircase, gracefully scattering roses as she went along until she reached midway of the staircase. There again the Blessed Mother spoke. I am very happy to see this great demonstration of faith. Sister Pierina asked for many of the sinners to be forgiven. The Blessed Mother replied, My divine Son will show his greatest mercy as much as the people will pray for them. I want this to be known and told to the Pope Pius XII. Tell him I want him to install the hour of grace through the whole world, and even those who are not able to go to church during this hour will receive the same graces by praying during this time in their home at noon. Beloved, how can we forfeit this beautiful gift that Our Lady has given us, whether in the office or home or wherever you are. If you cannot get to a church, stop and pray this hour of grace. Our Blessed Mother also asked that a statue be made and placed on the spot where she stood. This should be called the Rosa Mystica and carried in a procession through the town, at which time many graces will be given and cures will take place. Then the statue was to be returned to the church. There's the music for our first break, beloved. We'll continue this when we come back. And after the second break, um, we'll take your texts, your calls, your emails with whatever, whatever at all is on your heart. Call now or anytime toll free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back.
The Station of the Cross is listener-funded, and we value your ongoing generosity. In this fast-paced world, it's easy to let your recurring donation slip due to something like a new address or a card number change. If you suspect that we might not have your up-to-date donor information, you can check with us during regular business hours at 1-877-888-6279, extension 104, or anytime online at thestationofthecross.com. The Catholic Current, bringing Christ to the world and the world to Christ. I think we have to go into prayer knowing that we're being contested for. Oh, yes. Uh, if we didn't have guardian angels guarding us, we would we would be uh, suckers and losers infallibly to uh, immensely superior forces. Uh, the devil's terrified of prayer. The Catholic Current, 5 p.m. Eastern, from the Station of the Cross and on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. If the cares and anxieties of life are weighing you down, come to the St. Thomas More House of Prayer and allow the Lord to refresh your soul. The St. Thomas More House of Prayer is a Catholic retreat center devoted to praying and promoting the Liturgy of the Hours. You'll find a tranquil atmosphere that's ideal for deep prayer, whether as an individual or for a group retreat. We're located at 365 Hill City Road in Cranberry, Pennsylvania. Make your reservation today or learn more at liturgyofthehours.org. You can also call us at 814-676-1910. That's 814-676-1910. We would love to help you experience the Liturgy of the Hours and discover the prayer that will change your life. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live um, and blessed St. Nicholas Day. Um, and we are um, uh, reading through um, a great gift that our Blessed Mother has given us in celebration of her Immaculate Conception, which is two days from now on December 8th. And again, the Immaculate Conception has to do with Mary being conceived in her mother Anne's womb, that at the very moment of her conception in her mother's womb, the original stain of sin was removed from her, as it is at our baptism. It was removed from Mary, a singular grace, at the moment of her conception in her mother's womb, that she might be born without sin and be a worthy vessel to bear the Son of God. And um, Our Lady appeared... Uh, to Sister Piorina um, in 1947 and asked that um, uh, an hour of grace be promulgated to the whole world through Pope Pius XII at the time um, and a statue be made and that she would be called the Mystica Rose um, uh, or Rosa Mystica um, and that we would pray for an hour on December 8th from noon to 1 p.m. with our arms outstretched praying um, Psalm 51 or in the older rendering Psalm 50 uh, three times with our arms outstretched. 
um, every December 8th. And if we cannot get to a church, we could pray it in our home, our office, or wherever we happen to be. Our Lady also asked, um, uh, I'll read the last paragraph that we ended on, that a statue be made and placed on the spot where she stood in that church. This should be called the Rosa Mystica and carried in a procession through the town. Oh, how I wish every priest would lead their congregation to this hour of grace and get a statue of the Rosa Mystica and lead a procession through the town. Um, And many graces, Our Lady said, and cures would take place, and then the statue would be returned to the church. Our Lady prayed for the sick, and some would be cured and others not. Many men, women, and children were cured at that very instant when it first happened. A 26-year-old woman who could not say a word for nine months suddenly began shouting, I see her, I see the Blessed Virgin. An 18-year-old girl with ulcers was instantly cured. A five-year-old boy who had been paralyzed was told by the Blessed Mother, Come to me, you will be walking now. He was placed on the blessed stones and was able to walk. There were three others who were very sick and were immediately cured. But of course, the greatest miracles taking place were those of the spiritual blessings being shed upon the people gathered in the church. And I think it's the same at Lord France. <clears throat> Many physical miracles occur there, um, but... Uh, whoever goes into the water, thousands of people, no one has any regrets if they're not physically cured because the blessings of grace they receive are uh, so enormous. The Blessed Mother said, this is the last time I will appear here. Pray, keep, and do penance on these stones and you will receive the care of my motherly heart. She then left the little church, but because of the unending love of our Heavenly Mother, she has given us the hour of grace to be spread through the entire world. She had given all the opportunity um, uh, to demonstrate our love and trust to her and to help make reparation for the grievous sins offending her beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. These are the instructions, then, dear ones, for from our mother, our blessed mother, for the hour of grace and the day and the time of the hour of grace. December 8th, two days from now, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception to be started at 12 noon to continue until 1 p.m., one full hour of prayer. During this hour, the person making the hour of grace, either at home or in church, just put away... Uh, must put away all distractions. Do not answer the telephone or any doors or do anything, but totally concentrate on your union with God during this special hour of grace. Begin the hour of grace by praying three times the 51st Psalm with outstretched arms. And again, in the old rendering, it's the 50th Psalm. The rest of the hour of grace may be spent in silent communication with God, um, uh, meditating upon the passion of Jesus, saying the Holy Rosary, praising God in your own way, or by using favorite prayers, singing hymns, meditating upon other psalms, etc. Psalm 51 is a psalm of David when Nathan the prophet came to him after he had gone into Bathsheba 
And if you don't know that story, um, King David had sinned, um, committed adultery with Bathsheba. He sent Bathsheba's husband Uriah into the war on the front line to be sure Uriah was killed. And then David went to Bathsheba, and together they had a son. And the the son born to Bathsheba um, would die as a result of their of David's sin. And um, he spent a year um, not understanding what happened. And after a year, well, he understood what happened, but after a year, the prophet Nathan came to him and explained to him how what he the gravest sin he had done, and how David had. Uh, millions of lambs, but he stole one little lamb from this one um, uh, woman uh, family, broke it up and sinned grievously. And David said, who is that man? He deserves death. And Nathan said to him, David, thou art the man. And David was cut to the heart, and he repented. And Psalm 51, which I'm going to read now, which we pray every single morning in the Divine Office. If you pray the Divine Office or the Liturgy of the Hours, every single day we pray it. It is the psalm of repentance that David wrote um, for sinning with Bathsheba. And it begins, Have mercy on me, O God, according to thy steadfast love. According to thy abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, the only, have I sinned and done what is evil in thy sight so that thou art justified in thy sentence and blameless in thy judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward being. Therefore teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Fill me with joy and gladness. Let the bones which thou hast broken rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit away from me. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners will return to thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud thy deliverance. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou hast no delight in sacrifice. Were I to give a burnt offering, thou wouldst not be pleased. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good to Zion in thy good pleasure. Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then wilt thou delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings, and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on thy altar. There's so much in this psalm, so much in this psalm, beloved. Um, In my Protestant years, when my pastor read 
um, thou hast no delight in sacrifice. Were I to give a burnt offering, thou wouldst not be pleased. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. And he said, see, God's not interested in the sacrificial system and so-called Catholic sacrificing Christ and all of that. He wants a contrite heart. But David goes on, and when David, King David wrote this, uh, almost a thousand years before Christ, it was, it was in the midst of a sacrificial system in the temple that had to be obeyed. And so David continues, first creating him a clean heart, and then he says, Good do to Zion in thy good pleasure, rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then then first give me a clean heart. Then wilt thou delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings, and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on thy altar. God is not interested in our outward sacrifices, but in the in a contrite heart. Then our sacrifices, in obedience to the law, have meaning. And the other thing I love about this um, psalm, there are many things, but... Um, David says, Fill me with joy and gladness. Let the bones which thou hast broken rejoice. David, as you know, was a shepherd in Israel and had many, many sheep. And he knew that when a, a sheep went astray, he had to go after that sheep because the sheep would be completely helpless. Sheep are cute little things, but they're dumb and they're fearful. But they don't know it. They think they can do everything, but they cannot. And so when they go astray, the shed, the good shepherd, leaves the 99 and goes after the one who goes astray and brings him back. And if the little one keeps going astray, the same little guy, rebellious, goes astray. The shepherd goes and finds him, takes him, and picks him up and breaks his legs, puts him on his shoulder, and carries him home. Now the little guy can't run away anymore because he's going to be eaten by the wolf. He's a goner if he runs away. So the shepherd breaks his legs, puts him on his shoulder, takes him home, carries him and feeds him for weeks until his legs healed. Heels, and then he puts the little guy back down on the ground. And guess who follows the shepherd everywhere at that point? Not because he's afraid the shepherd will break his legs again, although he might be afraid of that, but because he's come to love the shepherd. And that's why David says, um, uh-oh, what just happened? I just lost it. Hold on a second. How did I lose it? That's why David says, um, well, 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 I just lost the whole page. In any case, that's why David says, let the bones which thou hast broken rejoice, because he was a sheep of the shepherd. And God broke his bones. God put the son to death that was born of the union between him and Bathsheba. And so he said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and let the bones which thou hast broken rejoice. Be restored to me um, the joy of thy salvation. It's a beautiful psalm, beloved, and it's to be prayed three times with outstretched arms on December 8th at noon um, on the day of Our Lady's Immaculate Conception. There's our second break, beloved. Um, we will be back after the break. 
We have a whole half hour. Our lines are wide open, and we'll be happy to take any phone call with anything on your heart, text or email. Be right back. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for December 6th. Today we celebrate St. Nicholas. Children of all ages can readily identify the saint we honor today. The man with the twinkling eyes, the smiling face, and the ample body in the pillowed red suit. We don't know exactly what he looked like, nor do we have many hard facts about him. But that is no impediment to his popularity. Historically, we can pinpoint only the fact that Nicholas was the Bishop of Myra in Asia Minor in the 4th century. Perhaps the best-known legend about him concerns his charity toward a poor man who was unable to provide dowries for his three daughters of marriageable age. Rather than see them forced into prostitution, Nicholas secretly tossed a bag of gold through the poor man's window on three separate occasions so all the daughters could be married. In time, this legend involved into the custom of gift-giving on the saint's feast. In English-speaking countries, St. Nicholas became Santa Claus by a twist of the tongue, further expanding the example of generosity portrayed by this holy bishop. Though Nicholas died in the mid-4th century, his legend lives on. The new Saint of the Day app is available now for your smartphone or tablet. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. I turned from a recreational drug user to a drug addict. That took me to my knees. I lost a family, almost two families. I lost friends. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it. I love it. My heart's there. I took communion after 18 years, and I, the rest of the Mass I sat and cried. God restored my life. God restored my family. God restored my love. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm live. This is the hour. I'm so pleased to be with you and uh, wish you a good feast of St. Nicholas. Um, And um, if you didn't hear the first hour, we want to prepare the whole world for the Hour of Grace two days from now at noon. uh, The Hour Our Lady has given the world um, to receive every single grace that you could ask for if it be according to God's will. Uh, We'll continue with that tomorrow, but you could look it up online, December 8th, the Hour of Grace. We will take your calls, your texts, your emails with anything whatsoever on your heart, dear ones. The toll-free number is 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have an email from Teresa who writes, Hello, Mother Miriam. When a Catholic does not have sanctifying grace in his or her soul because of the need for confession of mortal sins, Do their prayers and good works have any value? If not, after confessing their sins, will the good Lord remember those prayers and good works, or is it valueless? 
Thank you, Mother. You are a treasure, Teresa. Thank you, Teresa. You know, I'm going to tell you what I think. Uh, It's not a definitive canonical answer, but um, everything apart from me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. And if we're in mortal sin, we are apart from him. So our prayers and so-called good works are meaningless. Um, And so after confession, once we're restored, I don't know that they have any meaning. I cannot say they do after that. One, someone once wrote a little poem, only one life, it will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. We do nothing for Christ if we do it in a stage of mortal sin. We do nothing, because if, no matter what we do, it amounts to nothing, uh, because we're doing it not for Christ. We cannot be doing it for Christ if we're in a position of mortal sin. If we are spitting in his face, if we are re-crucifying him, which is what we do with sin, uh, no, it will not count. It will not count. And so um, I, I have no understanding that works done, so-called good works, they're not good. Uh, they may be um, uh, good works from our perspective, but if they're not done for Christ, they mean nothing for eternity, which is what our Apostle Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3 when he's writing to Christians who are saved uh, to the first church he founded in Corinth. And he says, when we die, he's talking to saved, forgiven Christians, we're going to stand before God and what amounts to wood, hay, and stubble will burn up. And what is amounts to gold and precious stones will, will last through the fire. There will be fire, and our works will be tested. And it's only what is done for Christ will last. So uh, I think what we do in mortal sin is going to be wood, hay, and stubble, and it will burn up. Um, let me see now. We have a, an email from Matthew. Dear Mother Miriam, I was thinking of sending a letter to each of my immediate family members telling them that I do not want anything for Christmas or my birthday, which comes six weeks after Christmas, except for them to return to the church, go back to confession and weekly mass. Do you think this is acceptable? God bless you, Matthew. I do not, Matthew. Um... To receive others and to receive the love they want to give in the only way they know how or can is to love them. If our Lord rejected us, uh, we would be devastated. And someone once said the measure of our love is the measure of our ability to receive. And so by your receiving them, you are accepting them and you are loving them and you are showing them God's love that he will accept them and not reject them. So um, what you could do is send them a beautiful letter wishing them a most blessed Christmas. Keep yourself out of it. Don't talk about gifts for you at all, at all. Um, Because it shouldn't be about you. Wish them a blessed Christmas and say that, you pray for them the greatest gift that could ever be bestowed upon them, and that is the grace of God to return to the church, to confession, and to Mass. 
you can do that in a very, very loving way. But don't reject them. Don't reject the gifts they want to give you because they'll further reject you and God. We have an email from somebody who writes um, anonymously, Dear Mother Miriam, Thank you for your podcast. I find them helpful in this time of confusion to discern what is right and wrong and stay faithful to God, which reminds me um, that our newsletter is complete. It's currently being edited and will be at our printers next week. So again, many of you have signed up. I want to invite you to do that again. If you if you wish, go to our website, motherofisraelshope.org, and click on the newsletter link toward the right, and right up on top, you can sign up for the newsletter email and or regular mail. Um, the, the sisters of our community are editing and going through it now to make sure I haven't made mistakes and all of that. Um, and they commented to me uh, last night, because about probably 30 pages, they said this is going to be a keepsake newsletter because it has the faith, everything we need to believe, everything um, that will help us to know anything that can and cannot be changed in the faith. It's going to be a volume that can lead us in the faith and we can put on our shelves forever. So that's their impression of it, and that was my intent. So I was very pleased to hear them say that. So um, uh, don't be afraid. Don't worry about costing us postage. Uh, It will be an expensive situation from our end, but we don't charge for it. And with our very last breath and every penny God gives us, we want to get the faith out to save souls and restore God's design for the family. It's the only reason we exist. So don't worry about getting it by regular mail uh, and email if you wish, or only one or the other. It makes no difference to us. Um, If you get it by regular mail, we're printing a beautiful holy card that you'll also get with that. But um, again, uh, your... Your wish is our command. So go ahead and sign up. And if you've moved, um, uh, please go ahead and give us your new address. Uh, Sign up and just say, I'm signing up again, but I want to make sure you have a correct address. Um, And so uh, if you're not sure if you signed up, go ahead. Anytime you sign up, we'll double check to make sure there's no duplication and that we have your latest address. Uh, if you're an oblate, by the way, uh, it's been a while since we've been able to put anything out for oblates, but go ahead and make sure you're signed up as well, and um, we'll bring you the oblates up to date in our Easter newsletter. Okay, so we're reading an email from someone who writes it anonymously and says, I have a question regarding unapproved marriages. To make this very short, I'm a Catholic and my husband was divorced but was not Catholic. We were married civilly. I was not faithful back then to the church and before my return to the church. Before my return, I was already separated from my husband but out of convenience. We remained under the same roof and raised our child together. We continue to do this up to this day and our child is now 16 years old. Technically, according to the Pope, I am allowed to do this, but what is the true teaching regarding the situation? Well, nothing is technical according to the Pope. If it's technical, meaning if it's correct, it is according to the teaching of the Church. You are not allowed to do this. Um, You are not allowed to live in sin. 
um, and you say, what is the true teaching regarding the situation? But you did say that you and your husband um, uh, have been separated, but out of convenience, you remained under the same roof. So I'm, I'm, I'm gathering that you live together for the quote-unquote sake of the child, but that you there is no intimacy between you. Um, Anonymous goes on to say, to give you highlights, there's no possibility for me to marry this man. This marriage was a huge mistake, and I only did it for him to have his citizenship at the time. I was pregnant back then. Those days were very dark, and I will not go into detail, but thanks be to God, I came back to my senses and returned to the church. Absolutely, thanks be to God. A little while after, my husband converted to Catholicism. Wow. We made the decision to raise our daughter and continue to be celibate parents until our daughter is old enough and we could have two addresses. I have been devout to our church since my return in 2011. I don't want to go against God's will. Our daughter has mild autism, but she is independent enough to do well at school. She is 16 years old, but I can tell she would not do well if I were to leave. I have dreamed to have that man out of my life, but now somehow it is peaceful and we are happy. Blessed be God. During the pandemic time, it was good to be under the same roof. We prayed together and do many things as a family together. It was a very long, turbulent journey to get to this better place. What is the church teaching? Am I committing a sin by staying with him while raising our daughter? Or is this okay since we are living as roommates and we do pray as family? I'm willing to do anything that God wants. God bless. Well, I admire you and I think you're doing terrifically. And I think God will be pleased with what you're doing. Um, uh, you're, you're, I don't know what your daughter knows, but... Um, uh, the fact that you're both truly Catholic and living separately, out of uh, you're not intimate, and you're you return to the church in confession, and you're doing well, I think is heroic. Um, living as brother and sister, and you can receive communion in that state. So no, I think you're doing tremendously well. Um, you're not doing well, according to Pope Francis. Pope Francis believes you could live as a married couple and that you're a family. You may not. Um, he, he does not say you shouldn't be intimate. You may not be intimate, and you know that, and you're not being intimate. So I think you're being heroic. I think your current situation, uh, since you've both been in confession and returned to the church, I think is very, very good. And as far as everything you've said, I... I Pray you can continue that way uh, in the grace of God and grow in his grace. We have Nancy on the line from Chicago. Hi, Nancy. Hello, dear mother. Thank you. Hi, sweetheart. Um, I just wanted to get your take on, um, we normally attend, we're parishioners at St. John Cantus, which I know you're very familiar with their beautiful liturgy. And we look very much forward to Midnight Mass every year. Um, my, My dilemma this year is that this is the first time literally all the siblings, all because every single person um, will be in town for Christmas. And of course, they want to be, um, you know, we're going to have a get together Christmas Eve at my parents' house and everything. And I, I'm, I'm tied between 
um, staying there and going to mass because I want to go to mass. It's something I look forward to very much, but would it be a better witness not only to my children, but to, to my extended family to, you know, just kind of, I'm out of here, you know, at 10 o'clock at night or um, staying with them and just, um, you know, being part of that get together that week. Okay, Nancy, I have an answer for you in, in my own thoughts. Um, can you stay on until after the break? Absolutely. And, okay, honey. And um, uh, I'll ask you when we come back, uh, is, uh, if your husband is there, if he would go with you, if he's Catholic, your children, how many there might accompany you to Midnight Mass? Just just let me know that. We'll be right back after the break, beloved. And we'll have 10 minutes. You still time to call in if you wish, toll free, one 877 5483 or email at mother at com. We'll be right back. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question. Why is your Protestant Bible four ounces lighter than my Catholic Bible? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a faulty scale? Nope. Well, maybe it's just the weight of the paper or the cover or the binding or some introductory comments. We wish it were just that simple. No, it's the seven books that got dismissed by team Martin Luther. Secondly, audacity. Audacity allowed Luther and others to extract time-tested truths of Scripture and key letters from the canon. What? Yes, about 1,200 years after the Bible canon was fully established, they rejected seven Old Testament books. Not only that, Luther placed the New Testament books of James and Jude, Hebrews and Revelation in a category called, quote, the disputed books. And thirdly, a pesky comeback. If I were to write a deeply personal letter to my wife regarding our future descendants, don't be taking seven of my choice paragraphs out of that letter. Why? You might be robbing those future descendants of a little bit of who Papa was. Now, don't you do that. I'm Jim Havens, host of The Simple Truth, heard weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network. This is kind of the playbook of how the culture has been so decimated and destroyed. I think the most important thing is to just recognize how much we have been manipulated. You know, I've come to see anytime Christianity and Judaism are weak, the occult just fills in. It's like the jungle. You know, the weeds just come in and that's what fills the gaps. That's The Simple Truth, weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are live and we 
have a good 10 minutes. You're welcome to call in with anything on your heart. I'll give the number out one last time, one 511 5483 or email at mother at Nancy from is on the line, and Nancy said it's the first time every member of her family pretty much is going to be there for Christmas and wants to know if it'll be a, a good or bad witness if she takes off for Midnight Mass, which she really wants to do. Uh, Nancy, are you there? I am, Mother, yes. Thank you. All right, sweetheart. How many people are Catholic? How many in your family would, would go with you? So it really, uh, even though everyone's Catholic in my family, honestly, some don't attend Mass, some would never go to a midnight Mass. And um, it really is just my immediate family, my husband and my children that would be going to midnight Mass. um, And they would want to go with you, with your family there? So, yeah, and my husband is very much... um, Look, it, it's your family that's coming, so I, I get where you're at. Um, whatever decision you that you would make, very good. With. Okay, very mm-hmm. good. Yeah, go, Nancy. Go. You're not being rude to your family. You're living your faith, and you're showing them how important midnight mass is to you. That you would even leave a fi- a family gathering to go worship our Lord on the night He came to Earth at midnight in Bethlehem in the freezing cold. You go. Go with your husband, with your children, as many people want to come with you. Now, you can also go the next day with the rest of the family. Nothing stopping you from I going. I can, Mother. What's yes, that? I can go the next day. Of course. I, I can I'm definitely sorry, you're go breaking the next up. Day. I can hardly hear you. Oh, I'm sorry. No, Is that's that okay. Go ahead. Try okay. again. Go ahead. Um, so, yes, we can definitely attend the next day, but I tell you, Mother, there is something about that midnight mass that just is, is oh, I no, have don't no listen. words for it. You go. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. go, Nancy, mm-hmm. and just love to your family. Say, this happens once a year, um, and, and there's no way that we want to miss the coming of our Lord at midnight. And so we're going to Mass, Holy Mass. Um, anybody is welcome to come with us. Uh, we'll be back afterward, and um, we'll, be, we'll be really happy to go to Mass with anyone tomorrow morning as well who wishes to go. That's all. Okay. Lovingly, that, that, uh, you go. Don't miss that. Okay. Okay. Oh, thank you, Mother. Thank you. I, I was kind of wanting to hear that. So. Yes, 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 All right. yes. Thank you no, that's, so much, That's Mother. very good. Okay, Nancy. God bless you, dear. Um, Kathy from Massachusetts is on the line. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Mother Miriam. It's such a blessing to speak with you. Thank I've been you, wanting sweetheart. to call many times and just never, um, you know, always busy. But... I have so many questions I want to ask you and things I want to say, but there's just one for today. And I want you to know that um, I was in, I didn't grow up with any faith and I was an evangelical Protestant for mm-hmm. 51 years. Wow. And I thought I loved the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind and strength. And, um, and uh, because of Catholic radio and your program and Jerry and uh, Debbie and, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, <laughs> Um, Johnette, Johnette, and Catholic. I accidentally, quote unquote, found Catholic Radio five years ago. Accidentally, and after good. listening for four years, uh, a year ago, last 
last Easter vigil, I came into the Catholic Church. Blessed be God. Welcome home. Welcome, welcome. You were a huge part of that, huge part of that. And I listen to you all the time. And I now I'm in ecstasy. I'm in ecstasy. And your program and listening to you, I... um, I just love the Latin Mass. I came in at the Latin Mass, and I attend the Latin Mass. Beautiful. And I just am at adoration, and oh my gosh, I, I'm, I'm in ecstasy just being in this one true holy apostolic church. And thank you so much, and you, you mean so much to me. Yeah, and a lot blessed. of the people who go to my my church, you know, they all listen to you. We're always talking mm. about you. But anyway, my question for today is when I was a Protestant, when my mother passed away, she was cremated. And I took some of her ashes and I had um, beautiful hand glass blown um, necklaces made uh, with a bit of her ashes. And when I heard your program quite a while ago, when mm-hmm. you're talking about the ashes shouldn't be separated, and I wondered, it's really been bothering me that I have these now. My sister passed away nine years ago, and um, I got her necklace. Her her husband said, if there's anything you want to take, so I have both necklaces. And I didn't know if I, like, if should I go to her grave site and just dig a hole and put them in the hole. I'm, I'm not quite sure what to do with these. And what I grave I don't want to wear gra- them. Whose grave site? Your mother's? Buried her. We buried her ashes, yes, with her in, in, the, in the ground. Oh, you, you did know, bury her ashes, but you kept some of them? Is that it? Yes. I, we, I had a little, before we buried them, I took a little bit and sent it to a glass just, blower in California. Yeah, just in those two she, necklaces? She also, I think my sister, and this, that's kind of the reason I haven't been calling you since then, I think my sister uh, took some of the ashes and put them in a heart-shaped um, dish, mm-hmm. you know, like covered dish. Mm-hmm. And I called my brother-in-law last week, and I asked him, and I said, do you have those? And he said, I didn't even know she kept them. And I said, well, can you search? And I told him where I thought they were, and I haven't heard back from him. But if... If he finds mm. those or has those, I'd also like to bury those ashes with the necklaces. Well, you know, you didn't know differently at the time, um, and you did bury her ashes, which is good. And probably in your position, I would I would gather those ashes together if I could and go ahead and bury them. I would do that, uh, but don't s- let it stress you out. There's no sin here. You, you didn't know. Um, don't worry about it. You know, I, I would bury them if I could, but um, uh, but again, don't don't worry about it. Okay, wonderful. Okay, yeah. I will do that. Okay, thank you Kathy. so much, Mother Miriam. Okay. I'll call you again. Call again anytime, Kathy. God bless you, my dear. Bye bye. Um, bye bye, sweetheart. Um, let me see. Um, let me see if I can start another email. We're coming to the end of the program, but we have one from Elizabeth. She says, greetings from Tasmania, a small, beautiful island just under Australia. I know that. Um, uh, Father Pius is down there who began a wonderful Benedictine order of monks. Um, Elizabeth says, I know of many people down here who, like myself, look forward to and appreciate your words of wisdom so much. Thank you. Well, thank you, Elizabeth. Elizabeth. 
She writes, I've come to understand so much more about my Catholic faith from your explanations. As a cradle Catholic who attended a parochial school, the Jewish roots of our faith were not always so thoroughly covered, except for perhaps Holy Thursday. You have helped me connect the dots. Today, however, my question concerns Psalm 137. Um, I love the Psalms very much, but do not quite understand the imagery or the context of the last two verses, eight and nine of this psalm. And I'm wondering if you can explain them. Oh my goodness. Um, um, yeah, I know, I know. Um, I'm reading them here. It's it's in our divine um, uh, office prayers. Oh daughter Babylon, you devastator. Um, happy shall they be who pay you back what you have done to us. Happy shall they be who take your little ones and dash them against the rock. When the Jewish people were taken into exile, um, they were they were treated terribly. Their little ones were killed and all of that. And so these are the Jewish people under captivity, uh, treated very poorly, and they're asking the curses on the, their captors that the captives put on them. So... Daughter of Babylon, you, you, oh daughter of Babylon, they were exiled to Babylon, and so happy shall they be who pay you back what you've done to us. Um, they want revenge, but God said revenge is His. We should not ask for revenge, but but that's it. We'll speak with you tomorrow, beloved.